Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Perspective Transformation Radio, changing the world one perspective at a time. I'm your host, Marnie Sleberg, and during this hour, you'll discover the backstories behind some of today's most transformational quotes. Feel free to share these quotes. Go ahead and use them in your articles, blogs, or books. Just give attribution to the author. You can learn more at www.perspectivetransformation.com. Now let's get going. I'm here with another one of our featured speakers, Alicia Pitt of Vineland, New Jersey. Welcome to you, Alicia. Thank you, Marnie. Oh, thank you. You have been one of our featured and favorite speakers at womenspeakers.com for a long time. And you are the author of a wonderful book called Let It Go For Your Sake. And this is an awesome workbook, really, about how to deal with situations where you need to forgive somebody. And if you guys aren't familiar with that, you want to check it out again. The title of the book is Let It Go. For your sake. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and dive right into your quote. Real truth with real power brings real change. There is power in truth. I always say that God can deal with you when you're honest. Right? Okay, so that's the whole thing he loved about David. I think that's the reason why David was his favorite king. And he would always compare all the other kings to David because David was just so honest. (laughs) <laughs> yes, absolutely. Even even the world tells you that in order to uh, conquer a problem, you have to acknowledge that you have one. Mm-hmm. And um, as I always tell people, you know, a lot of times we go before God like like uh, He doesn't know who we are. You know, instead mm-hmm. of just really being just just really being right. honest, like David was, lay all them cards out on the table, so He can so number one, so He can work on us, and then yeah. in turn use us. It's a huge piece, and it takes a lot of courage, to be honest, especially I know one of the hardest times for me is if I'm in the middle of doing something I know I shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like it's really hard for me at that moment to be honest with God about it because it feels like rude and disrespectful. But but my sister told me when my kids were little, and I told her I was really struggling with that, and she said, well, how about this? What if, what if your son, what if Mark, little Mark, what if he mm-hmm. ran out and you had told him so many times, don't play near the manhole, don't play near, near the manhole, but he did and he fell in the manhole and now you as his mom, would you prefer that he stays in the manhole quietly trying to get himself out or would you prefer that he hollers for help? <laughs> Honestly says, I'm stuck, I'm in a mess, I need help. And it made sense to me for the first time because before that it always felt kind of dishonest or disrespectful to talk to God when I was actually sinning, when I was actually making a bad choice, stuck right. in that, you know? Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that? Has that ever happened to you, or do you have that concept at all? Well, I, I think a lot of it um, deals with pride. It does. It deals with pride. And, Absolutely. Um, we, we, we don't want to see ourselves as being prideful, but it is something, even like you can have false humility, which is a form of pride. Right. Um so I, I just believe everything is, is in balance. And um, this is all part of, of having a relationship with the father because he he, he knows when, why we do things when we don't even know why we're doing them, you know. And, sure, um, sure. yeah, and um, thank God that's the kind of God that we serve that um, in our moments when we are truly ignorant, he winks at those ignorances. 
<laughs> and it's all covered under the blood of Jesus. So there's really no fear Absolutely. ever to come to Christ or to come to God with our weaknesses and failures. And it is pride that keeps us away. We just don't want to feel embarrassed. Uh, we want to feel like we're doing much better than we actually are. And it's just great to be honest. I love that one. Even when facts say one thing, your faith may need to say something else. For instance, you can go to the doctors and you get a bad report. The facts say you have been diagnosed with this disease or, or this ailment, but your faith has to say, by his stripes, I am healed. And so even though facts may say one thing, your faith has to say something else. Absolutely. Believe it before you receive it. That's the principle that yeah. is there. And, you know, there there's actually a thing now called, um, what is it, called diagnosis, di- diagnosis syndrome, where when you have this diagnosis from the doctor, it changes how your brain thinks about your situation. And it, it closes down options for you that weren't closed down right before you got the diagnosis. So this thing that God asks us to do, which is to trust him for his, his best outcome for us, instead of listening or looking at the circumstances we're in. I mean, Peter walking on the water should have never been able to do that. <laughs> he had to just say, I'm trusting. You said to walk on the water, so I'm going to go walking on the water. And God says he's, he's our healer. He's our provider, whether it's financial or physical or emotional, whatever, relational. He's our healer. I love your book. I love your book for that. Part of the, you know, that yeah. part where he's also the healer of our emotions, and that's so beautiful. Even when you look at the, uh, the whole thing with our relationship with Christ, it really boils down to faith. Yeah. Some of us, we continue on sin because of a lack of faith. You know, whether we putting our, mm-hmm. our hope and trust in people instead of God, it still almost boils down to, to that faith line because if I believe that he is and that he's a reward of them that diligently seek him, then uh, there will be no doubt. There will be no fear. So all of these things is, is operating, uh, coinciding with faith. Understanding the character of God is where our faith is really built, is to recognize how awesome and amazing he is. Amen. Let it go for your sake. Forgive. <laughs> yes, it's for you, not for the other person. Right. You, you you don't want to be held captive because this is how I always tell people when you don't forgive that other person is sleeping at night. You, you know, you all bothered and all discombobulated yeah. when you see them and different things of that nature. And that other person ain't even studying you. So it, it's for your <laughs> sake. It's for your sake that you forgive. Let, let it go so that you will be able to move forward. Hmm. I love that. I remember years ago I was, struggling so much with a dear friend who had hurt me very badly and she could not at all see that she had hurt me. She was taking no responsibility for it. And I didn't know what to do with that because Alicia, I was kind of wondering like, so what's my job here? Like if she won't ask for forgiveness, how can I forgive? What's my job? And after a season of time, God showed me that he stands in readiness to forgive us. So every person in the whole world has the opportunity to be forgiven. But when they continue to reject God and to say that he doesn't exist or that he's, you know, someone they don't want forgiveness from, then they don't receive it. But when they come to ask, when we come to ask, he doesn't have to sit around thinking 
Absolutely. You know, am I going to forgive them or not? Or, you know, whatever. It's already done. It's a done deal. And I love that aspect of forgiveness. Let it go forgive. Because even if the other person never recognizes that they hurt you or did anything wrong, it doesn't matter. You're free. Absolutely. And if, and the thing is, is, it doesn't matter whether you know you did something or not. It's, it's about freedom, being free. Right. And forgiveness is tied into so many things. He said, when you stand praying, what? Forgive. Because if you don't forgive, your, your prayers are hindered. You know, different things are hindered. And he said, if you want forgiveness, you got to forgive. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's such a huge component that uh, it, it's for our benefit that we do do it. In your proclivities, keep oh. doing God. <laughs> What's <Yeah>. a proclivity? <laughs> a proclivity is a, a flawed character, our setbacks, because the, the Bible says there's none, none perfect but Jesus Christ. And so sometimes we are stuck with our own mindset of who we are, because uh, only, only you know who you really are versus people, you know, on the outside looking in. And so even though those those uh, proclivities, those uh, uh, um, those um, things that are negative, keep doing God. Don't let that stop you, you know. And it's in your doing, you're doing God that God will begin to heal you in those different areas. Because what I realized a lot of times we want to offer God our strong areas. And that's not what he really wants. He wants that weak stuff, the stuff that you got compartmentalized. That's what he wants to use because the Bible says that it's, he chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. So he has to use, that's how he uh, uh, is being glorified when he uses those areas that you're not strong in. Yeah. And again, it's back to the pride. And honestly, I think we all just are kind of a little pharisaical in this area. We just want to look really good and really perfect and seem like we have it all together. And bottom line, God knows we are still full of junk that yeah. he is working on purifying out of our lives. And it's a process. <laughs> I love it. Keep doing God. I like that. Keep doing God. I like that. You cannot think negative and speak positive at the same time. It, it counteracts each other. You know, if you were thinking something that I, I tell people all the time, you think something negative, speak something positive because it counter, it balances it out. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we put faith to negative things. Um, I use the acronym all the time. Wow. Watch our words. And a lot mm-hmm. of times the, the reason why we don't see a um, manifestation in our lives is because we are putting faith to negative things. We, we can speak positive all day long, but if faith is not connected to it, it's not producing anything. And, and that's what we'll find. For instance, uh, somebody died in our family with some kind of ailment. And the conversation is, well, Uncle so-and-so died of it. I guess I'm going to die of it, too. You know, got to right. watch your words. Right. You know, because you're, you're, you're putting right. that belief, you're connecting that faith to that negative thing instead of connecting it to something positive. Yeah. Yeah, it's that double-minded man. You've got both things going on, and it's like God says, don't expect don't expect great results from that kind of, of a process. Yeah. yeah, I love it. There is another way to live. Keep going back to love. Yes, keep going back to love. Um, that is also a part of my forgiveness book. Um, when I was a young girl in high school, 
I had a bad disposition because I was always picked on. I, I never fit in. And there was a, a lady that I was drawn to um, that used to come visit our basketball practices. And I guess the Lord allowed her to pick up what I was going through. So she gave me this card. And in that card, it said, uh, uh, be better, not bitter. Uh-huh. And I, I still have the card to this day. And I hold uh-huh. on to it because... In the in the card, she said, um, we have to remember the times that people have, have hurt us. Uh, they have done different things. But we've also said things. We've also done things to people uh, that wasn't right. And so God hasn't uh, given up on us. So how can we give up on other people? Mm-hmm. And so there's another way to live. Keep going back to love. Going back to love. I love that story, too. It's a good reminder for us that even a cup of water or a little note with something on it, it counts for eternity if we do it through Jesus' love, that there's, that we don't have to be this big, amazing thing. Yes, absolutely. We just have to be available. <laughs> it's available. Absolutely. It's, it's the little things that mean so much sometimes. Oh, that's awesome. Well, this time has gone by so quickly, Alicia. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a privilege as well as an honor to be here. So love your ministry and what God's doing in and through you. God bless you. And if you want to learn more about Alicia, you can go over to womenspeakers.com, click on New Jersey, and she will be right there. I'm excited to be back with you this afternoon with our guest, Elizabeth Clement of North Carolina. And Elizabeth, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to pick your brain about a couple of the things that God has been teaching you uh, through the past years about his grace and his favor. So here we go. Be relentless. Never quit because your breakthrough is right around the corner. Be relentless is is a word that God gave me last May, a year ago, not this past May, but the year before, as we were riding on our motorcycle. That seems to be when God and I have our best conversation. <laughs> it's when my husband and I are riding on the motorcycle, I'm in the back seat. I've also told him I'm going to put a slit in the back of his motorcycle jet vest with a notepad so I can write down. There the we notes. go. <laughs> because that is when we're in nature and it's calm mm-hmm. and I've got the wind and God speaks to me. And relentless, I was praying about God, what do you want me to name my ministry? What do you want me to, you know, what what do you call me, God? And that word relentless came to me. And, and it's just like God spoke that word to me. And so it's, being relentless just means never quit, never give up, keep pushing through. And that's what I've had to do my entire life. And without having Christ in my life to strengthen me, I would not have been able to get up. I've been knocked down so many times. Hmm. So I know that you have a book, um, Beauty Rising from Brokenness, and you are going to actually start a podcast this fall. Yes, I'm starting a podcast. It's going to be Being Relentless Matters. And um, it is going to, I'm going to be interviewing women every week about their stories, about how they're being resilient and how they can't, they are coming back from whatever it is in life. We all face obstacles in life. Everybody does. And nobody is immune. And if you are listening and you're immune, please call me if you've never faced an obstacle, because I'd love to talk to you because I've never met anybody. (laughs) We all do. (laughs) Right. 
And I'm going to have a segment once a month on my podcast that's going to be Military Spouses Forum. And I have four other military spouses. I'm a military spouse of 30 years. And we have all different, you know, active duty, all different branches. And we're all going to come together and we're going to do a forum. And we're just going to discuss how being a spouse in the military requires you to be relentless and requires you to rise Mm -hmm. up and take on responsibilities that you didn't necessarily think you were going to have to. And how you can persevere and how you can find help and how you can find other Spouses to lean on, other organizations to lean on. Because when when I came in, when my husband went in in 1988, there wasn't a lot for reserve spouses. There wasn't a lot of support, and they've done a, they've come a long way, but still a lot of those spouses don't know what they have to offer. So we're going to be doing that once a month, and if that is as popular as it seems like it's going to be, we'll be going to a full podcast with that in January, and just have. Being the military spouses forum and then being relentless matters. Being resilient matters. Too many R words. Being resilient matters will be a once a month, a once a week podcast that I do where I interview other women. That's really cool. And thank you to you and your family for that too. It's been our pleasure. It's been an adventure, so they say. (laughs) Adversity shows you who you really are or what you can become. Adversity is something that is, you know, it's something that you have to rise above and you have to either make a choice. And I I tell people a lot of times adversity comes against you and you have a choice to make to be better or to be bitter. And you can either let that that obstacle just be that next mountain that you're coming over to accomplish whatever it is that God has for you to do. I'm reading this incredible book right now. It's um, the, the mountain, the mountains are what we step over. Uh, I believe that's the title of it. And it's, it's just amazing. And that's, that's how it is with adversity. And in my life, my book, Beauty Rising from Brokenness is about my journey through childhood trauma. I grew up in a very dysfunctional family, every type of abuse that you can imagine. And I came to my 30s and I developed chronic illness because I had suppressed all of that for so long and I just couldn't keep it buried anymore. I use the example on stage of a beach ball and I'm trying, you're trying to push it under the water and I actually have a tub of water and I have a beach ball and, and you can't keep it under. You can only keep it pushed down for so long and it bobs back up and mine came up in the form of chronic fatigue syndrome and severe asthma. And I had to walk through that journey of healing physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. And you have, we're, we're a four-sided person. God made us to be a four-sided person. And if one side is off, we can't obtain optimal health. So we had to walk through that entire journey. And that's what I'd speak on. And that's what I coach on is how to get back up and how to walk through that healing and replace those negative messages in your mind that you heard when you were a child and all of those things that overcome that. And until you go through an adversity, you don't know what you can become. You don't know who you are and you can choose to be better or to be bitter. And I choose to be better and to let it help me help other people. Quit is not in my DNA and it's not in yours either. 
That's a capital Q-U-I-T, but it is not. I did my DNA. I did an extensive DNA search, and I have some of that in Beauty Rising from Brokenness. And my next book that will be coming out hopefully this fall, it's been a challenging year. It was supposed to come out in the summer. My readers are going to be very upset because I leave you hanging at the beauty at the end of Beauty Rising from Brokenness. But it's about my DNA search and why I had to go on a DNA search. And when I did my DNA, that was one of the things that came to me that I just felt like the Lord was speaking to me is I didn't put quit in your DNA. I didn't, I didn't, you didn't just, you know, I don't expect you to just sit down and quit when things get hard and nobody else has to sit down and quit when things get hard either. And the next book is going to be called Shattered, Rising Above to Put the Pieces Together. And it's about after we came through, after I came through Beauty Rising for Brokenness, about six months to a year later, we had an auto accident where we hit a semi truck pulling our camper and it and then our daughters hit us from behind driving my husband's truck they were 16 and 18 and we were trapped in the car my husband had to kick the window out and get us out praise god my family was fine they just had made minor bumps and scratches and bruises but at 38 i was disabled and bedridden for 12 years and i came i was able to come back from that by the glory of God and the power of God and through a, a husband and a son that prayed over me every day and prayed for my healing, even when I didn't believe it was possible. And I knew God had called me to speak back in 2002. And I laid there in that bed and said, I don't understand God. I don't understand. And he just kept saying, be still and know that I'm God. Everything happens in his timing. So I didn't know I could come through that. I didn't think I could. I didn't think I could survive it. And I survived it and I came through it. And a friend of mine spoke a word into me when I was telling her that story. And I said, 12 years. And she said, you know, that's the number of completion in the Bible. It's over. And I was like, praise the Lord. I just realized that my husband and I then went and did a number study and studied all the numbers 12 in the Bible. And it was just so amazing how, how God uses that number and how that was the number of years I was, I was in bed and then I was down. And so it's just been two years so that I've been back up gaining speed, starting with the blog and, you know, and then gaining speed to get back up to speaking and how God has just worked through that. And it's so exciting. And I'd love to share with women and, and to encourage them that if it's divorce, if it's illness, if it's um, the loss of a child, that adversity will make you, well, if you let God use that, he can use that to make you a better and a stronger person. And then you can use that to help somebody else. For every challenge, there is an opportunity for growth. We have to grow. If we don't grow, we die. So, you know, you think about a plant, you know, when the plant has lived its life season and it's not growing and it's not producing anymore, it dies. So we have to always be growing. And to be growing, we have to be, you know, think about a house plant that you have. You have to water it. You have to give it the right amount of sun. My grandmother used to grow African violets and they are 
so delicate and so difficult to grow. And they were so beautiful, but she just knew exactly what they needed. And so we're like a plant. We have to grow and we have to continue to grow because when we stop growing, we, we start to wither and we start to die. So you have to continue to, to continue to grow to become what God wants you to be. And that growth never stops, I think, until we get to heaven and we meet Jesus. Yeah. No, I love that, too, that every challenge is, there's an opportunity in every challenge and to just recognize that. As we get more aware of this and believe it more, that's where we can really embrace that James 1 portion, we're counted all joy. Uh, when we recognize that, no, there is something good here for me, even though this feels terrible, and it maybe is terrible, but God can bring good, and that's that's where our hope is, and that's where our help comes from when we're in those times. Yes, and I held on to Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And I would I would tell God every day through that twelve years, Lord, I know I love you, and you know I love you, and I know you called me, and you put me here for a purpose, and I know you're going to make this good, but I can't see any good right now. <laughs> and I didn't think I ever would. And my friend, my very dear friend, told me when you can thank God. For this and you can be thankful and grateful for it then you know that you have grown to the point that God wanted you to be at and it's just now in the last year that I can look back and see the good things that came from it mm. and how God grew not just me but my husband into being that that the spiritual leader of our household into my, my children and how he used that to develop their gifts and talents and to strengthen them and make them the people that they are today. So, you know, it's true when once you can get, you can look at it and you can be thankful for it. And that's hard to do when you're in the bad. Seat. <laughs> it, is. it is. Okay. We have time for one more. Okay. Be inspired by people and how they deal with hardships. If you think about the people in your life and how they deal with something that comes along, what do they, you know, what do they do? I, I, I talk, I ask people this a lot of times from the stage. Once a challenge comes your way, I talk about curveballs, and I actually throw balls at the audience. So I'm, I kind of, I'm known for bringing the funny. So I have to, I have such a heavy, hard story that I have to bring some light to it and some laughter. And so I, I talk about the curveballs and I actually throw out emoji face beach balls. And I say, what are you going to do when the next curveball comes your way? Because the next one's coming. If you're not in a crisis, there's, there might be one around the corner, but we're always going through that because it throws us and it, it challenges us and it stretches us to be more like Christ and to be more who God made us to be. So what are you going to do? Are you going to sit down and cry? That's okay. I cried for a long time, but are you just going to sit down and quit? If you quit, you're still going to be here today, still in the same place you're at. You're not going to move on and you're not going to grow. So you have to, that, that challenge is made to strengthen you and to make you become who God made you to be and who he wanted you to be and what, and to get you to what, where he wants to use you. Mm. So beautiful. Elizabeth, thank you for your life and thank you for being here today. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. 
and I enjoyed it. Good. You guys can learn more about Elizabeth at her website, which is elizabethclamond.com, or go to womenspeakers.com and click on North Carolina, and you'll see her right there. so excited to have you here. Uh, you've been a longtime ministry partner with womenspeakers.com, a speaker, you write, and you also, you, your focus is on marriage. Website, you guys, is manaformarriage.com, or you can find her over at womenspeakers.com under Florida. So, Tammy, welcome to you. Marnie, thank you so much. I always enjoy visiting with you, and I'm <laughs> thankful for you and your ministry. Thanks. And we were talking beforehand. I have learned a lot about marriage from you. I love your approach. And we're going to dive right in here with your first quote, which is just classic. It takes two to make a marriage work. You and the Holy Spirit. Well, Marty, when a woman is struggling in her marriage, this is what she often hears. People will say to her, you know, if your husband is not pulling his weight, if he's not investing as much as you are, if he's not working as hard on this marriage as you are, then it's not going to work. You're just wasting your time. And I picture it kind of like that we have a couple and when they're in conflict, we use the phrase of being back to back. So this represents a couple who are um, not in harmony. They're in conflict back to back. And we can see that the ideal thing would be for both of them to turn to be face-to-face in harmony again. Now, if they are back-to-back and just one of them moves, makes effort, they're still not face-to-face. So we can say, you're right, that is not going to work. They both have to do something. But wait, what if, in this case, the husband, what if the husband does nothing? He does not move at all but the woman is listening to the Holy Spirit and she obeys God. And in obeying God, she makes the move and they are again face to face. A a simple little illustration, but that is a profound truth that one can make a huge difference. So take hope. I would say yes. Um, It takes two to make a marriage work. You and the Holy Spirit. I remember the first time I heard you, saw you do this, heard you do this, and it was just life-changing for me because I always also thought that really, I mean, if you were back-to-back and only one of you were willing to work on it, it was just over, you know? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, and somebody just said this to me the other day, you know, the 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 principle of Lord change me, you know, why does it always have to be me? Why does it always have to be? And it isn't always you, but a lot of times it feels that way. Like it's mostly me. And, and the beauty of that is that when anything changes, everything changes. And so just by you making a change, it it can have radical results. True. And sometimes we think who should go first? And I think, well, the one who wants the greatest blessing is the one who can oh, go first. <laughs> I love that. That's such a great way to look at it. I want to go first. I want to go first. <laughs> that's, that's true, isn't it? It's not it is. That's awesome. it's really God's principle. Great way to look at it. 
If we are yielding our spirits to the Spirit of God, then even the evil of other people operates in our lives as a blessing. Now, that is a radical thing to say, isn't it? it? But if that is true, uh, that is something that we want to, to learn and apply. And here's how I think of it, Marnie. So often people will say things or do things that come zinging into our lives or into our hearts like sharp arrows. They're very painful. And they are like darts, the kind that can carry poison or that have poison inside of them. And when we are struck by these sharp arrows, we feel, oh, my life is being poisoned by this painful memory or by this difficult circumstance. This has brought poison, so to speak, into my life. But that's actually impossible because these arrows that come with so much pain into our lives, they hurt, but they are always empty. It's as if the shaft of that dart is always, always empty. We are the ones who decide how it is filled. Very often we pick up that sharp dart and we pour poison, we pour anger and bitterness and resentment into that memory or that circumstance. And then our heart just seeps in it as we pump that into our lives. But we have another option. We can hand that very same arrow, that same memory or circumstance, hand it to God and he will fill it with blessings that same circumstance and that's his promise to us deuteronomy 23 5 says the lord your god turns curses into blessings for you because he loves you that is so beautiful and i love i love i guess i've never heard that before that it's an empty dart and you decide what goes into it mm-hmm. because it always feels poisonous right i mean it always feels you we feel the sting of it Right, it is painful, but there's a distinction between hurt and harm, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's true. A husband is like the roof of a house, and a wife is like the walls. Well, God is the master designer, the master builder of marriage. And I think one way we can look at it in his design of marriage is that the husband is like a roof. He is perfectly engineered to provide shelter and protection. And the wife is like walls, also perfectly designed, designed to be a strength, a supportive strength. And when those two come together, the roots and the the walls, the result is a strong building, a strong house, one that's able to hold beauty and life and harmony. But what happens if the roof crushes the walls? It's not much of a roof, is it, lying on the ground? So that is not part of the design for the roof to be crushing to the walls. And also, the walls, if they reject the covering of the roof, what happens to the walls? The, The building is vulnerable at that point, isn't it? So that simple illustration helps us understand that they work together and they are gifts to one another. 
Mm, that's so cool. The analogy, I was thinking the analogy of God being the foundation then of that family. Certainly. God is the foundation. He's yeah. Beautiful. So beautiful. That's really cool. Instead of wrestling to remove the darkness, I can work to let in the light. Well, Marnie, have you ever walked into a dark room and started grabbing big armloads of darkness and trying to drag it out of the room and just slide <laughs> the darkness and pull it out? Yeah, do it. You've never done that. I've never done that. Right. But I have done that in my spirit over mm. and over. When I have darkness, I have dark emotions or negative emotions that I don't want, I wrestle with that darkness within me. And that's really about as effective as wrestling with darkness in a room. You go into a dark room. Instead, we open the curtains. We turn on the light. And then the darkness is scattered. The darkness is gone. So I try to apply that to myself instead of just trying and trying to uh, get rid of my anger or get rid of my bitterness or my envy, trying to just wrestle. I, I shouldn't be angry. I can't be angry. You know, that's wrestling with the darkness. Instead, it is so much more effective to bring in the light. And it is the word of God that is full of light. So if I find that I'm wrestling with the darkness of worry, for example, I will focus instead on turning on the light of scriptures like Philippians 4.19 that says, my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Or Psalm 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And instead, again, instead of wrestling with that darkness, I'm going to focus on letting the light in. Hmm. That is so beautiful. The, the light and darkness is one of my favorite analogies. I've got several mm -hmm. that I use with that too, because it's just so true that no matter what you think is in the dark, as soon as the light is turned on, you know, you know what's there now. There is no question what's there now because you can see it. And I love the analogy of trying to drag the dark out. You know, it just doesn't work. It just is so beautiful the opportunity we have to invite Jesus' light into anything in our in our life. It's so encouraging to recognize, oh, I don't have to wrestle the way I've been wrestling yeah. these things. There's another way to do this. Yeah, beautiful. My 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 saying like that is everything the light for Satan has nothing to use against me in the dark. And just that mm -hmm. that beautiful reality that being honest before God is always gonna be the best the best way to go. God uses suffering to expand our capacity for joy. When I was growing up, I got this idea that God was okay with letting Christians suffer because that made them stronger. But I thought, um, I, I don't really have any ambitions for being strong. <laughs> Why do I have <laughs> this is not a motivation. <laughs> Uh, just to be strong, you know, God can take care of me. That just wasn't my life goal to get strong. And really what I, what I was seeing was, what's the point of being strong? It seems that if you survive one hard thing, God's just going to give you a harder thing. Mm -hmm. And the reason you need to be strong is because you're going to now get a 
bigger storm that you've got to be strong for that. And once you survive that, then you'll get a even harder thing. Oh, yay. So very attractive to me at all. And I, um, I didn't want to take, I really wasn't excited to sign up for that. But that has helped me to understand that God's purpose in suffering is not to see how much we can take. And it's not to make us strong just to be strong. I think it's kind of like the princess and the frog. If you remember that little fairy tale of the princess and the frog. Now, if you think about those two, how much relationship can a princess and a frog have? Not very much. There's, there's not much even interaction that can happen between a princess and a frog. But if that frog becomes a prince, oh my goodness, then they can have an incredible relationship. In fact, they can even get married and live happily ever after. Right. And I, my way of thinking about this a little bit is that one of God's purposes in suffering is that he uses suffering to transform us from being spiritual frogs to being spiritual royalty. He's changing mm. us into people of holiness who can experience a holy God in a much greater way, a much more intimate way, uh, a relationship that has so much more joy in it. Now that was motivating to me that I would want to let God change me so that I could yeah. experience more of him. And I think too that we recognize that everyone wants love and joy, right? Everyone wants to experience love and joy. But in our natural state, we actually have very little capacity to experience love and joy as much as we long for them. Mm -hmm. But what God does in that process of suffering, among other things, but one of the things he's doing is that he is stretching our capacity so that we can experience much deeper, richer love and much greater joy. And it is his goodness to do that for us. What a beautiful way to look at that. Um, stretching the capacity for joy. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you when you think about, yeah, I'm going to just go through this and I'm going to go through it with Jesus just so I can get stronger and go through more harder stuff, which actually, um, if you just look at life, I mean, fourth grade is harder than kindergarten and right. 11th grade is harder than seventh. And it's <laughs> just how life is. Yeah. It's going to be that way, but it's not highly motivating, actually. No, that's as far as you see. That's not very highly motivating. Yeah. And the reverse is also true. Um, the joy of the strength, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm. You know, that mm -hmm. the joy itself is what makes us strong instead of us getting strong so we can be joyful. It's the joy that makes us strong. So there's this there's this beautiful synergy that God has in us walking with him. Tammy, thank you so much. Thank you for your life. And I, I love how you talk. I love how you think. <laughs> your analogies are always so good and right on track. Do you have a favorite theme verse for life or a Bible verse that's precious to you today? Uh, precious to me today. Well, I've been thinking about Psalm 131, where it says, I have quieted and stilled my soul like a child who is quiet in his mother's arms. So the Lord has quieted and stilled my soul. 
Beautiful, beautiful. I love it. I love you. And you guys can learn more about Tammy at womenspeakers.com. If you click on Florida, she'll show up there. Also, her own website is nanaformarriage.com. Cookie White of McMurray, Pennsylvania. Welcome to you, Cookie. Oh, I'm so delighted to be here, Monty. Thank you very much for having me. In your darkest cave, God will bring the light. God does bring the light wherever we are. And that particular uh, thought came to me when I went through a very dark cave of depression. I went through it when I started playing tug of war with God where I wanted to live. My husband and I met in a field office in Virginia, and that's where I lived all my life, was born and raised. And then we went to Idaho Falls, Idaho for two years, and then God put us in Pittsburgh. And so I thought, you know, a couple of years in Pittsburgh, and I'm back in Virginia raising my babies, you know, going to church with my parents and, and just being in the South. And God had other plans for me. And uh, when that didn't uh, materialize that we could go back to Virginia, I started playing a little tug of war with God. And when you play tug of war with God, you're not going to win. <laughs> it's a very dark place. But in that dark place, God brought the light. He showed me that I needed to get out of this cave. He had other plans for me. And that uh, the plan was not to stay in the darkness. The plan was to follow the light and get out of there and be the person he wanted me to be. And I needed to do that in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I couldn't do that in Virginia. So he has brought so much light to my life because I left and stayed gone. <laughs> so God is here. I am who I am today because I stayed in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I love that analogy of the tunnel. And I always think, you know, we have that phrase, there's light at the end of the tunnel or wait till you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we think the light at the end of the tunnel is moving back. Whereas God says he's always the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Absolutely. And he just didn't want me to stay there. And he right. said, you know, sweetie, you gotta, you gotta take this rope and come with me. You're not oh. going to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> why Jesus, why now? Why Jesus, why now? It was a phrase that hit me because I have been asked a lot of things about my faith. And being raised as a Christian, a lot of times when people question your faith, you, I hate to use the word ignorantly, but you do say, I've just always believed it. Mm -hmm. And when one of my children started asking me some really hard questions, I thought, I need to know the answers to these questions. I just can't say I've just always believed it. And we live in an age of progressive Christianity where people want Christianity to progress where, you know, it's an antiquated piece of literature, the Bible. So we need to progress into the 21st century, what we believe. And I needed to get back to the roots and figure out what it was I believed and have solid answers for that. And so I just started writing them. Every question I was asked, I came up with an answer. And it is in one of the books that we've written called Why Jesus, Why Now? The Relevance of Christianity in the 21st Century, where mm. I attempted to answer all the questions. And you can never have all the answers. You will never have all the answers. But mm. at least to explain what it is we believe and why. Mm, that's really cool. And you guys can check that out at Cookie's website, which is thesoundingboardteachingministries.com. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of God is not barricaded by dementia. 
The dementia factor is something that God has taught me this beautiful lesson. My mother is 97 years old and she is in a nursing home in Virginia. My mother's blind. She cannot um, move around on her own, but mama has always been my mentor. And she has always taught me, pray, pray, pray. So when I go down there, a lot of times when I ask my mother to pray, I take my phone and I take her praying. And it has been such, I mean, a dawning of light. It's like the dementia curtain rolls back when mama prays and she does business with Jesus. And it has taught me that the spirit of God that we are given when we accept Christ, that spirit is communing with the spirit of God. And nothing, no disease, nothing that we face will barricade that from getting to the throne of grace and mercy. Wow, I love that. That lesson alone, I think God left her here so she could teach me that (laughs) today because sometimes she doesn't even remember who I am. But when she prays, she remembers Jesus and she does business with Jesus all the time. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. My mom, toward the end with her dementia, she couldn't, she couldn't, a lot of times she couldn't really form words. She was just saying gibberish or whatever. Mm-hmm. But one of the last memories of the head nurse on her floor before mom passed away, mom had noticed another lady crying. She moved her chair over to the other lady just held her hand and patted her hand and the other lady settled down and even without words you know just the peace and love of Jesus just can flow through a soul and it's so beautiful that God's love is not barricaded by dementia I love that it's like (laughs) the Lord you know all the time amen so true I've got some good news and bad news That was told to me by a PCP when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. He said that's how he started it. He said, I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is it's not as bad as it could be. And the bad news is breast cancer. And that started me on a journey that I never thought that I would go on. Uh, Breast cancer is not in our family history. My mother is one of four girls raised on a tobacco farm in Virginia. No cancer history at all. This one dropped out of the sky. Mm-hmm. And I have learned on that journey that the good news was that God was with me. My friends who prayed for me became the wind beneath my wings. And I was able to get through that entire journey because God was with me. And we, even though we receive bad news about things, there's always God is there to walk with us through it. Yeah. So whatever news we receive, even though it's appears to be so dark it can be good beautiful and and honestly no matter what the news is because we have jesus as our savior because the holy spirit resides in us because god is god there is so much hope and help it is every time god is always there to help us regardless of what we face and i think it was part of my journey because of women's ministry Because a woman can come to me or I can hear of a woman that's been diagnosed with cancer. My mind immediately knows where her mind goes. Because I was raised at a time when you get that diagnosis, you wonder if you're going to live. Right. And so there's hope. And I think it was part of my journey. It's really cool. Jesus still walks through fiery furnaces 
Oh, Marnie, this was part of my breast cancer journey, too. And this was such a lovely, lovely moment for me. I had to have 33 radiation treatments as part of my cancer treatment. And those radiation treatments had five days a week for six weeks, three boosters at the end. And I could not disrupt those treatments. If your skin got too burned where you had to stop, you would have to start all over again. So my, my prayer was, I'm blonde, blue-eyed, I'm sensitive, my skin is, that I could get through these treatments. So what happened during the treatments was that a friend of mine sent me Isaiah 43. When I walked through the fire, I went not mm. And it was such a beautiful verse, and I took that verse to heart. And mm. every day when I went in there, and everyone would leave me by myself because no one could be in that room with you. I would pray, God, just please lay your hand on me that I won't get burned. And just like you walked with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you were in the furnace with them, please be with me. Lay your hand on me that I don't even come out smelling like smoke. And I was able to do 33 treatments. And I was irritated that I got through them all because Jesus is still walking through fiery furnaces in his <laughs> what a story and even you know how like your friend gave you that verse just in time for you to actually claim it and how god works all of these things together it's amazing and, and given that verse to so many women that are going through the same thing it's really cool that was a lot of radiation treatments it was it was now, the radiation wow. only a few seconds, you know, you can't have it for a long period of time, but um, oh, wow. you're in that room and when everyone walks out and the machine runs, it's like, okay, um, something's happening here. <laughs> That's wow. kind of normal. But yeah. my cancer was on the left side of my body and they had a new machine that would protect your heart. So mm. maybe that helped as well. Mm. But wow. journey. Beautiful. We have time for one more. Okay. Seeing your face in the moon. Oh, I love, I have told so many people, I want to be a full moon. And people will look at me like weird. I, I can, ever since I was a child, I've been fascinated by the full moon because everything lights up outside. And to me, when I say I want to be a full moon, God is the sun. Right. And I want to reflect him so much that mm-hmm. I can help dispel some of the darkness. I will never be the true force like daylight. I will never be that source. But maybe I can be a reflection that some of the darkness is dispelled and mm-hmm. his brightness will shine through the darkness. That is a beautiful picture. <laughs> right? Instead of being a sliver of the moon or half the moon or whatever, you want to be the full moon. Full moon. Just shining down. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, Cookie, why don't you share with us? Um, I know you have a topic that you really like to share with people, your vessel topic. Mm-hmm. Tell us just a little bit about that. One of the topics, and, and I got this from you, to always have one that you're very familiar with. And the one that I've used the most morning has to do with vessels, becoming a vessel for the Lord. That word vessel is an Old Testament term and from the King James. 
there's when I looked up in Strong's Concordance, there's 193 times that word is used. So if God uses it that many times, it's important. And a vessel can be a, a pot, a basin, any type of container. It can be made of any type of surface, metal, clay, silver, gold. It can be any size and any color. And that to me describes women. And so in this talk that I give, I bring five different vessels that represent five women from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Cool. What I do with those, I do the story from the Bible. I talk about how that woman was led through various things in life and overcame them. And then I finish up by bringing a vessel that represents myself. And before the retreat, usually this is done at a retreat because we need time. And then I uh, ask women before it happens to bring something that they think represents their own lives. And that's the blessing, Marnie. You should see what they bring. I mean, I had a woman that brought a set of nesting dolls. And at the end, she gave them to me so I could remember her. How, what she was on the outside, and then as God peeled the layers, Mm. how God showed her her heart. I had one lady that brought a tea bag that she felt like the stronger the water was, the more that she was able to show who she was. That mm-hmm. you know, God worked through a lot of hard situations in her life. So it's amazing what these ladies Fun. are. But I love this topic because it it can be anybody, any shape, any size, and then we relate it to women in the Bible. Oh, that's really cool. And do you have a favorite verse or a theme verse for life? I do. It's uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditation mm-hmm. of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And that's found in Psalm 1914. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. Oh, thank you, Marnie. I so appreciated the opportunity. And you guys can learn more about Cookie at womenspeakers.com. If you click on Pennsylvania, she'll show up right there. Otherwise, at her own website, which is thesoundingboardteachingministries.com. Thanks for joining us. Have a wonderful day. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Perspective Transformation Radio, changing the world one perspective at a time. Learn more about today's guest at www.perspectivetransformation.com, more about our sponsor at womenspeakers.com, and swing over and visit me at marnie.com. Feel free to share this program with your friends and social networks and listen live every Wednesday afternoon or catch the archives at Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite site. Have a wonderful rest of your day and see you next time.